So working our way through the Bible, and we come to Christmas, but being that it's the last, well, next to last sermon of the year as we work through the Bible, and it's Christmas, what do we do about that? <clears throat> well, as we learned from 1 John 3, 8, boys and girls, Christmas is all about destruction and obliteration. <clears throat> he came to destroy the devil. That's right. There are a few texts throughout the Bible that specifically talk about why he came. And we know why he came. He did not come so that we can worship Frosty the Snowman, right? It is not it is not shopmas. It is not Christmas carolmas. It is Christmas. And so he came to destroy the devil. And so I want you to, if you would, find first John chapter two. I'm going to read the end of chapter 2, and then read into chapter 3. So First John, we're almost to the end of the book. You're reading, as you are reading through the Bible, you should be reading in Revelation now, and you're at the point in the reading where it goes fast. It's quick. So 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 through chapter 3, verse 10. So would you, with your Bibles open, would you stand please as we read? The Bible says, And now, dear children, continue in Him, so that when He appears we may be confident and unashamed before Him it is coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of Him. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that He appeared so that He might take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. No one who lives in Him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen Him or knows Him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, 
because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the, the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. Serious words. Let's pray. God, as we open this word, it is certainly not a typical Christmas text, but it couldn't be any more meaningful to, to the Christmas season as the reason you came. So, Father, I pray that you would lead us, that you would teach us. And, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak in our hearts to those who know you personally to address us in our sin, but encourage us in the hope that is ours because Christ. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So if it has not already been encouraging enough that he came to destroy the devil, think about what's going on in our world right now. And how we have a plague going on throughout the world. We have a, a society that continues to make merry with sin. You know that you sin your way and I'll sin my way and we'll all be fine together because, you know, it's, it's all about you and, and all of this garbage of that just, I believe, it just makes the Spirit of God vomit. And, and then, just in case that's not enough, it's as if we can't talk about this at Christmas. We have to be all nice and, and hide over, you know, just gloss over all of that stuff because it's Christmas and it's all about love. But I want to be careful to make sure that we get the fact that Christ came down as a baby in a manger to destroy the devil. He came because if he did not destroy the devil's work, then Christmas would be depressing because we would still be in our sin and we would still die and go to hell. We would just eat fruitcake first. And so, he came to destroy the devil. And so, let's talk about all of the, uh, the nice stuff of, of Christmas and all the frills and all of that as we first address Christmas destruction. Christmas destruction. And, and really, this is the reality of sin. In order to see that Christ is worth worshiping, Christ Mass, right? The worship of Christ. We see sin, the reality of sin. And first, sin's scope is universal, which means everybody has it. Everybody has sin. It's no, nothing like 
COVID-19. Everybody does not have that, and yet it swept worldwide, right? Something that's 100% deadly sin. Universal. Everybody has it. And in this text, he uses the word anyone or everyone six times referring to all of us. All of us are sinful. It's in our DNA. We choose it, but it also chose us in our DNA. And so this is a reality. It is universal. There is no one anywhere that is without sin in our heart. And, and so sin's nature... Sin's nature is lawlessness, and that's what we see in the text. And so, it's not good news, but the Christmas story is good news. But we start with the bad news. So sin's scope is universal. Sin's nature lawlessness and this is John's definition of sin sin is lawlessness but then sin's origin we get to that in chapter 3 verse 8 sin's origin the devil the devil he who does what is sinful is of the devil you know John just beats around the bush and makes it all nice and gentle, doesn't he? He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And there it is. There you have it. It's not, it's not that... Just bad things happen, or you know, it's a tough day. It's sin, devil. Sin is of the devil. It is no one else that is the core, the origin of sin. It's the devil. And so here it is. It's Christmas, fa la 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 la, but sin is of the devil. If you are in sin, you are following the devil. And there it is. And, but we dress it up. But when it comes down to the truth of it, we face God and we say, God, I do not submit to your law. Your law does not apply to me. And so we have the reality of sin. But then we have the reason Christ came. The reason Christ came you know, is His essence. In His essence, He is without sin. Chapter 2, verse 29. If you know that He is righteous, 
you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. In his essence, he is without sin. Chapter 3, verse 3. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure, without sin. Again, verse 5. But you know that He appeared so that He might take away our sin, and in Him is no sin. If you've been at Abundant Hope very long, if you've been in church, hopefully ever, you have heard that Christ is sinless. But what is important for us, it's, it's important for us to remember this. We get this mindset of people who have been in church forever, that we know this stuff, we know it, we know it, we know it, but it's good for somebody to remind us of it so we can think about it. You see those things on Facebook that gives you some kind of point to ponder and then says, let that sink in? Let this sink in. The reason Christ came was that he he's without sin. If he was sinful, it would not matter for him to come. We needed someone who was sinless. And his essence was he's without sin, but his mission is to destroy sin. Verse 8 is the key text here, the key verse here. He who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And so he came to destroy the devil's work. His mission? To destroy sin. He is the righteous one. He's the atoning sacrifice. And so this is good news. This is the good news of Christmas, that Christ was without sin, but He came to destroy sin. He didn't come to destroy sin that He had. He came to destroy sin that you and I have. And so, the result for Christians is this. Our belief in Christ makes Persistent sin inconceivable. This is where it gets personal. Because we see in verse 6, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. And then in verse 9, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. And so it begs the question, can a Christian sin at all? Well, yes. We can each raise our hand on this one. But the wording here is important. It keeps on sinning. And what, what's going on here is that our belief in Christ makes persistent sin inconceivable. Persistent. Meaning that 
you and I, we know this. When we sin, we do those things that we know we should not do. We're miserable because of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we can't go on sinning and enjoy it. When I was a, a young teenager, I believe, I must have been 13, something like that. The way it was at my house, the law of our house was we did the dishes. And there were a lot of dishes, family of eight. And my mom cooked not well, but it required a lot of dishes, even though the results wasn't all that awesome. So we had, we went through this time where the guys, the three boys had a week, and then the three girls had a week. But then as the older ones started aging out of this torture, like by getting a job and, and those kind of things, it got down to where there were just like three or four of us and so we said, you know what? What if we did the whole week by ourselves? And then we wouldn't have to do dishes again for like the rest of the month. This sounded great until it was your week. Because at my house, when you it was your week to do the dishes, you did all the dishes. And if your week happened to be when you were gone somewhere, don't you even worry because they're going to wait on you. They're going to be there when you get back. And if it's two days, you get that day's dishes waiting on you too. And it's all crusty, sitting and waiting around. And so I didn't enjoy washing dishes. And so I was washing dishes and my mom had this, this platter that was very important to her. I believe her mother gave it to her. And her mom... I never met her because her mom died when she was 15. So I'm painting this picture. This platter was very important. And I had been gone for a couple days, and every dish made in that year was sitting dirty in our kitchen. And so I come in, and this is, you know, family of eight. Even though my other siblings aged out of the washing dishes, they did not age out of the eating. So, a lot of dishes. And so you would start one water, and, and it would go, and then I would switch, right? I would let out the dirty, stink, nasty water, and then make my rinsing water, squirt soap in it, seat number two. And we'd keep going back and forth until we were done. Well, I did not enjoy the fact that they waited for me all of these dishes, and so I was mad. I was not happy and bad attitude. And I was washing these stinking dishes. And, and somehow, I dropped my mom's platter. You know you have sink here, sink here, and then this thing in the middle, right? <sighs> broke. And I did not want to tell her that I broke her precious platter. And so I, I was going to hide it. I hid it in the trash. But as I was putting it down in the trash, like under the trash, 
it cut me. I mean, it like cut me good. Like right there. And so I knew because if you know me, you know I know these things. I knew I needed stitches. But now you're thinking through the mind of a 13-year-old kid. I couldn't like walk there or drive to get stitches and I sure wasn't telling them because how'd you cut your hand? You know, a Tyrannosaurus Rex bit me. I mean, what are you going to say at this point, right? And so I took the all the shards of glass and I went and buried them out in the woods. And that's where it gets this is where it gets ridiculous. Children do not do this at home. This is dumb. Up front. See the footnote. Stupid. If you do this, you are dumb. Do not do this. Anything that follows, dumb. All right? So I take a needle and some dental floss and left-handed sew this baby up. I don't even remember what time of year it was, but I hid this long sleeves for a week. And I'd had stitches a bunch of times already in my life. I knew how this went. I watched what they did, and I even knew that they even pucker the skin a little bit. So when the stitches come out, it, it heals just right and all of this stuff. And so I go this week with stitches in my arm. And, and then thinking... Take these jokers out, home free. The only thing I did not consider was guilt. I felt rotten. You know, cartoons, you see that little angel and the little demon. Well, this is going on in my heart because I'm thinking, man, I got this, got this. And I would think about it constantly. What would cause them to find out? Well, if it got infected, they would find out. And so, man, dental floss through alcohol, you know, boil the needle, everything. And then, I mean, alcohol and peroxide, I kept an eye on this joker. But guilt. I couldn't plan for the guilt that I had in my heart. That it was just crushing. I felt sickly that I was hiding this thing that I had done. And though I had made the plan, I had worked the plan, and I would have gotten away with it. I'd even taken the stitches out. I mean, it was over. But I confessed. And... um I even think I had to go dig up the platter. And, um, but that feeling of guilt for what I had done, I could not get past it. And I would even have this conversation with myself Shut up, you idiot. You're going to blow this. You're going to blow your cover. You've got this. You're done. You've pulled it off. The greatest heist of your life. It is done. It's going to be a great story for your grandkids. Just shut up. And I couldn't. 
And so I confessed. Y'all, it was, it was cool. It was cool just confessing and getting it out. And it was done. And I believe that that is what it's like for us in our sin. That persistent sin is inconceivable because God's Holy Spirit makes us miserable in our sin. But then, following up with that, our new birth in Christ makes persistent sin impossible. Verse 9, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. And so, what this brings us to is, am I born again? How comfortable are you in sin? Being born again is more than getting out of the hell line and getting into the heaven line. And I lay this truth at your feet to make you think about this. Because if you have been hiding the fact that you don't really know Christ, you've never been born again, you've maybe had a religious experience, but you're not new in Christ. Oh my goodness, this is the opportunity to cry out for His truth, cry out for life. How comfortable are you at living in continual sin? I believe that this is an alert for us from the Holy Spirit of God. And so here... Hear the warning in Christmas destruction. As, as we hear this and as we deal with this, listen to the truth about Christmas anticipation. Because Jesus came 2,000 years ago to destroy the devil, but Jesus is not finished coming. It's not over. And we praise God for that. Jesus is coming back. He came in the manger, but you guys, He's coming back. And when He comes back, we will see Him. We will see Him. This text says, appears. It says, we will see Him as He is. So look forward to this. Think about this and look forward to this more than anything. Look forward to this more than, than graduation, than wedding, than birth of a child or grandkids, vacation, payday. Look forward to this day. Because when we, we see Him, the Bible says we will be like Him. And don't hear 
don't hear apostasy here. I'm not saying that we will be God. And what the Bible makes clear is, is that we will be like Him and we will reign with Him. This is, we will be co-heirs with Him. The Bible says, and I'm not making this up, you know. But what do we do in the meantime? What has humanity been called to do between His first coming and His second coming? While we wait, you know, we, we don't quit our jobs, sell our house. That's what the... That's what Paul was talking to the Thessalonians about when they were told that he's coming back. <laughs> well, cool, forget this house payment garbage. <laughs> we're done with this. We are done with this. We're not working. We're not any earthly good. I'm going to go set out on a hill and look east and wait. And Paul said, no, 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 that's not what this is what we're supposed to do. But what we are supposed to do is while we wait, we fix our eyes on Him. We adore Him. Come let us adore Him. Because you know what? What we fix our eyes on, we tend to become more like. And so let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Him. And, and know that one day... One day when He does return, we'll be free of sorrow, free of heartache, free of poverty, free of cancer, free of stress, free of death. And so as we fix our eyes on Him, we purify our lives before Him. We purify our lives before Him. And really... It's not really we, but He, you know, allow Him to purify our lives. And I don't know if you've watched anything on TV or any documentaries where you see things being purified, but there's a show called Forged in Fire, and I have watched it once or twice, and uh, I think it was cool. But, you know, when they put the the metal in the fire and they are you know they make it so it's malleable so they can beat it into shape right well that's not a great process for the metal it hurts i'm sure imagine if that was you and me this purification process comes with heat it comes with pressure and so it's kind of like cancer when they deal with cancer and they come up with all of these drugs the way i've been taught and described how cancer drugs work basically it's a concoction of poisons that poisons the body and hope that the cancer dies first and hopefully the life, the body lives. And, and it helps something click for me. 
purify. In our lives, this purification process is not an easy one. It comes with pressure. It comes with the fire. It comes with the hits. But because He has made us strong and He is alive in us, we can endure this purification process. And we become what He has made us to be, like Him. And so, it boils down to this, the Christmas option. There's no middle ground, there's two choices. And here are the options. According to this text, according to the Bible, as we work our way through from the beginning to the end, one, we are either children of the devil. You know, that's pretty unpolitically correct. So one option is to be a child of the devil. And the Bible speaks of it in these terms, slaves to sin. You know, we're, we ask ourselves the question, are we living within the authority of God or are we rebelling against the authority of God? in your life. If Satan has his way, every one of us in this room will burn in hell forever. If I accomplish anything through this sermon, I would consider it a success if you see the devil as one who wants you dead and not that little pitchfork cute thing on the cartoons. He is out for you. He is out for you. And He will do anything He can to take you out. If that means He takes out what you love, or if He convinces you that you are the only thing lovable, He will enslave you to sin. And why does He do this? He wants to steal God's glory for Himself. And so we were created to give God glory. And so if He can take one of us out so we don't shine light and give glory to God, then He steals it for Himself. And so we're either children of the devil and slaves to sin and deserving death or we are children of God. And here's where it's important. Here's where our time on this earth, here's where our generations try to skew it. It's one or the other. Children of the devil, child of the king. One or the other. Just like there's two genders, right? Yeah, our generation. What are you doing? But we try to say, and we meaning our society, I am atheist. I don't believe in a God, or I don't believe in that God. I believe that 
God looks like this, or I don't want a God like that, I want a God like this. And so we make all of this middle ground, and we go through the buffet and say, I don't want a God who condemns to hell. I want a God who is loving. But I want a God who loves in this way. I want a God who loves me for who I am, like I am, because I am. And then we start this buffet and put things on our God plate that we want. And suddenly we get to the end and we've made a plate of God that looks just like us. And we bought in to a truth that's deserving of death. And no longer following after God, but chasing the ways of, of Satan. And we buy that there's a third choice. And the Bible could not make it any plainer. We are either children of the devil or children of God. And if we're a child of the devil... We're in sin and deserving of death. But if we're a, a child of God, we're free from sin because He defeated death. You know, in this defeating of death, we get to experience what it's like to be a child of the King, a co-heir with Christ. And, and we don't have this... We have no need to have this air of, of being uppity because we understand that all we brought to the table was our sin. He saves us. He came to destroy the devil's work. And so, I want to say a couple other things are important to one. This was the plan before the foundation of the earth. He knew this. Yes, the whole thing's rigged because he knew everything all along. And that is a mark that he is God. And then I think that the fact that he shared in our humanity, he came <clears throat> in the manger sharing in our humanity. He became human so He could destroy the one who holds the power of death. Hebrews 2, verses 14 and 15. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. You hear that? This is some Christmas good news. Since the children have flesh and blood, that's us, he too shared in their humanity. He too has flesh and blood, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free all who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. 
And so here we are, we're at a place where the most anxious people of all humanity are alive on this earth right now, according to all of the doctors. There are so many drugs for dealing with anxiety, and over and over the Bible says, do not fear. So no need to fear if you're in Christ. But if you do not know Christ, and as the Bible describes, you are following the devil, there is every reason to fear. But today, it's not too late. It is not too late to change. It is not too late to allow God's work to apply in your life. And so hear this as we celebrate the good news of Christ during Christmas. It's good news because He took out the bad. He came to destroy the devil and He accomplished His mission. And we will see the day when it's completed. And we're on the side of the king. Not because he wanted us to add to his strength and add to his might. But he chose us to bring him glory. And so hear that message of Christmas. That he loves you so much that he came. And He loves you so much that He's coming again. Amen? Amen. What's that? She didn't kill me. <laughs> he asked, did my mother forgive me? So, I'm here. I bear scars, but I'm here to bear them. So, let's stand together. Father, we praise You for this day, for this season of hope. God, thank You for giving us hope. Because without You facing the power of Satan, we are hopeless. And God, I pray for everyone who is hearing this truth today. God, I pray that You would help each individual to to think and ask themselves who they're following. And Lord, thank You that there's time, there is today, to do something about it. Right now we have this moment. But Father, I pray that we would not waste this opportunity and continue following after the devil. God, thank You for rescuing us and giving us a an opportunity for rescue. Lord, I pray that as we offer ourselves before You, we thank You for being the offering that took, took away our sin. So Lord, help us just to rejoice if we know You personally. Lord, I pray, if not, that Your Spirit would, would chase us down and open our eyes and our hearts to your grace. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.